You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with a Global News exclusive. The food delivery driver who was stabbed and almost killed in Vancouver's Chinatown earlier this month has recovered enough to talk about the terrifying attack. As Christian Robinson reports, despite his life-changing experience, the support he's had after the attack is giving him strength and hope. A warning, some of the images in this story might be disturbing. I can't move my face and my arms. Sometimes it's getting worse. The pain, excruciating. With at least 20 staples in his neck, Hamidullah Habibi is wearing the scars of a survivor. I was really scared of him. And I just want to try to lock the bike and just walk away. The 26-year-old who came to Canada from Afghanistan five months ago was delivering DoorDash in Chinatown on September 11th when he says a stranger grabbed his bike handle. And I see him, he has a knife in his hand and he was approaching me. Before he could turn away, the suspect attacked. This guy, he started stabbing me and that time... You know, it was everything was happening so fast and I, I don't remember the most of this accusation. So, um, and this time I, I feel something in my throat that this was, I can't breathe. Nursing student Clara McCullum witnessed the violence and rushed to help Habibi. You know, you would not be able to tell that he's bleeding profusely till, till later. The lady starts shouting, that's all, oh, you're bleeding, just hold your neck. And I, when I noticed that, oh, I'm bleeding, and I tried to call 911, uh, but I couldn't because my, my screen, my phone screen was all in blood. 43-year-old Dennis Prasad remains in custody charged with two counts of aggravated assault. He's accused of stabbing another stranger near Oppenheimer Park the day before. While Habibi didn't expect this, he still has faith in his new home. Canada have wonderful people, you know. They're kind and they're nice and respectful. He's also thankful for the GoFundMe McCullum set up to help him with rent and medical expenses as he recovers. I got relaxed. I say, okay, everything is fine. The people are around me. I'm not alone. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A woman has been arrested in connection with an unprovoked attack in downtown Vancouver over the weekend. Just after 6 p.m. yesterday, a 33-year-old woman was walking with friends near Seymour and Pender Streets when police say someone approached her from behind and hit her over the head with a small hammer. The victim was treated in hospital for non-life-threatening injuries. The suspect, Chandrea Jeanette Linksleg, was located nearby. She's been charged with assault with a weapon and remains in custody. We encourage anyone to call 911 if they feel their personal safety, the safety of others, is in jeopardy. If you're by yourself and something does happen, yell and scream, call for help. People will help you. Get yourself into a public store, uh, an open business. Police are commending witnesses for calling 911 right away and say the attack could have been much worse if bystanders didn't intervene. Well, travel into and around Canada is about to get a lot easier. Ottawa has confirmed it is dropping all COVID-19 travel restrictions as of this weekend. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, it is welcome news for a tourism industry that's just starting to recover from the pandemic. It's been months since masks came off in Europe, longer in the States, 
But starting Saturday, travelers can remove their face coverings in Canada. In fact, all travel restrictions will be removed. Along with masks, mandatory vaccination will be gone, no more testing, no more quarantine, and the Arrive Can app becomes voluntary. It's going to remove, I think, a lot of stress and strain for people when they're traveling. And hopefully it's also going to mean that the federal government will have a, a, a more direct and easier way of processing passengers. Despite these wholesale changes, some passengers still with reservations about ditching their masks. I don't know. I think it might feel weird not to wear a mask. I'm not worried about, about it. And I know that's easy for me to say. And I know there's a lot of people like my older parents, which that might be really tough for them. The order in council that created these COVID restrictions for travel will expire September 30th. It will not be renewed. This despite cases of COVID-19 increasing across the country. According to the Minister of Health, 10% of all hospital capacity in Canada is being occupied by COVID patients. And we are in a much better position today than we were in 2020. The travel restrictions, really the last remaining holdout of the pandemic rules put in place in 2020. Most of this was telegraphed last week, but removing the mask mandate was a surprise. Despite the restrictions, 38 million people have crossed into Canada this year. Tourism operators say the bulk of the high season is over. The benefits of this decision won't be fully realized until 2023. We've had a busy season, but it is not yet back to pre-pandemic levels. It looks like we're still down some are close to 20%. Health officials still strongly recommending people wear masks in congested, poorly ventilated spaces, urging everyone to keep vaccinations up to date. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Welcome news for British Columbians who like to head to Seattle to work, to shop, or maybe take in a ball game. Passenger rail service is back. After a more than two-year break, the Amtrak Cascades has resumed its Vancouver to Seattle run as of today. Right now, there's only one daily round trip departing Vancouver at 5.45 p.m. and Seattle at 7.45 in the morning. A second daily round trip will be added as Amtrak staffing and equipment allows. The service had been suspended since March of 2020 because of the pandemic. All right, B.C. has started its fall vaccination campaign with the bivalent COVID-19 booster. Keith Baldry joins us now from Victoria with more on how the rollout is going. And Keith, it's not exactly a stampede to get the shot, is it? No, but the numbers are going up. We've got about a week's worth of numbers now telling us what's going on out there. Basically, people with three doses are getting their fourth dose. The, the trick right now is convincing people with two doses to get their third dose. So again, this is the new Moderna bivariant uh, vaccine that's being administered. 143,500 doses so far. That's the last night. 1.5 million invitations have been sent out. A lot of people watching right now have received an invitation but haven't made an appointment. 7,300 appointments today. 94,000 appointments already set for next week, but there's still about uh, 90,000 uh, more appointments available for next week. So folks, there's a lot of vaccine available in BC right now, and it's expected to be throughout the fall, but people are encouraged if you are getting texted or notified to go in and get your third or fourth dose. So we hit a wall with three doses. Four doses seem to be what's going on right now. About 90% of the doses right now are people's fourth doses, and it's now starting to be administered in greater numbers outside of Metro Vancouver. The focus the first week was Metro Vancouver. Now it's also the rest to the province, about a thousand pharmacists and about a hundred health cl uh, vaccination clinics available around BC. So it's going to be a very busy fall and winter when you combine the flu shot in terms of people getting needles in their arms. Yeah, they're encouraging us to get both for sure. Okay, thanks very much, Keith.
Well, with those COVID travel restrictions being lifted, a quick trip across the border is about to become a lot easier. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, that's good timing for bargain hunters who need to gas up. Across Metro Vancouver, gas prices jumped over the weekend. In total, going up almost 40 cents a litre in about a week. At some pumps, it was $2.34 a litre and just pennies from reaching a record high. It's insane. Yeah. Baffling. Something needs to be done. Gases need to come way down. It's not fair that us people in BC are paying the most. Will you go down to the States to buy your gas, do you think? Yes, sure. Yeah. Prices fell a bit on Monday. Still, some motorists may be considering a quick trip to the U.S., especially with Canadian border rules related to COVID being removed this coming weekend. In Point Roberts, many are hoping traffic will increase. We have to get the word out that the border is you know, not going to be a hassle. It's safe now. If you're a legal, uh, law-abiding citizen, you'll be absolutely welcomed here. In Sumas, the cheapest gas is $3.89 a gallon, which converts to about $1.40 a litre Canadian. The cost to fill a 60-litre tank, $84. Back in Canada, if you're stuck paying $2.34 per litre, your bill will be $140.34. That cross-border difference, huge. $56.34 on a tank of gas. Experts say supply is an issue, as is demand. We're seeing people coming back to work, going back to school. There's been a real push. Um, I'm in Alberta. I know that the push is going across the country to have people return to the physical office space. And as that happens, people have no choice but to start driving again. What's next for the price of gas? Experts say short term, we could see some relief. But longer term, if commodity prices increase, brace yourself to pay more. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. On the topic of supply and demand, empty shelves at liquor stores are still a reality around the province almost three weeks after the BCGEU strike ended. The union reached a tentative deal with the BC government September 7th, but some stores say they're still experiencing issues with supply. Richard Zussman has more. It's a bustling lunch service at Moby's on Salt Spring Island. The one thing seemingly missing, much choice when it comes to drinks. I am down to my last bottle of vodka. I have a very thin supply of rum. I have no opportunity to go get it. Nearly a month after the BCGU strike at liquor distribution centers ended, there are still impacts. Liquor store shelves still empty, bottle maximum still in place, and rural areas underserved. I'm asking for the government to find a solution for us to fix this problem. This is weeks after the strike. There should be liquor at the liquor store. I should be allowed direct delivery like many other businesses. We are not back to normal. Uh, that strike lasted about 15 days and it caused about a month of disruptions into the industry. So we're still about two weeks away from having the normal flow of products. Currently, almost every product needs to go through the province's distribution channels rather than direct from producer to retailer, bringing up the question whether this all needs to be fixed. The strike illustrated the somewhat fragile nature of our distribution system. We have ready to drink refreshment products like nudes and gin sodas and vodka sodas that are manufactured at craft distillers and craft breweries here in the province that in some cases are several blocks from a private liquor store. 
legally not allowed to sell them to them. Private liquor stores have been in this province since 1988, but one of the challenges is the distribution of liquor to those stores hasn't changed much over the last three decades plus. We might want to consider implementing an alternate distribution system so that products that aren't destined for government liquor stores, for example, don't have to go through the government distribution warehouses. The Canadian Federation for Independent Business found 56% of businesses lost sales due to the strike and 40% incurred higher costs finding alternative products. So those members are still, um, businesses are still having troubles uh, getting the product they need to serve to their customers. And it's again all coming at a very challenging time, especially for those businesses in the hospitality industry. The province says the strike was an exceptional circumstance and no long-term changes are being contemplated. Another blow to to businesses like Moby's who just keep managing challenge after challenge. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Another election promise that could be tough to pull off. Kennedy Stewart wants to build what he calls the Vancouver Loop, a SkyTrain extension you didn't know you needed in just over a minute. We love you. <laughs> Tropical storm Fiona was an uninvited wedding guest for this Cape Breton couple. How they made the best of it anyway, later. And later in sports, an early setback for one of the Canucks stars. What's keeping Brock Besser on the bench for the next few weeks, later. Right now, uh, though, Kennedy Stewart is getting people talking with his latest campaign promise. If his party wins a majority on council in the upcoming civic election, he says he'll make sure South Vancouver gets a SkyTrain line. Kamal Karamali with more now on the so-called Vancouver Loop and why critics say it won't get off the ground that easily. It's a proposal that would fast-track SkyTrain development. Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart with an election promise to have a new SkyTrain loop completed ahead of schedule. We need to be ambitious. We need to be aggressive. Here's the current SkyTrain systems map. The Millennium Line heads directly from Metrotown to VCC Clark. An already approved extension has the SkyTrain expand from VCC Clark further west, past the North-South Canada Line and end at Arbutus, scheduled to open in 2025. Another extension to UBC now approved with planning underway but funding not yet secured. The city's Transport 2050 plan would have the SkyTrain line then head south back east along 41st Avenue through Carisdale onto 49th Avenue, continue east through Langara and Killarney before connecting with the existing line. The incumbent mayor says that stretch along 41st and 49th avenues right now only listed for a planning study by 2050, but he claims he could get the project completed sooner. I want to get the UBCX uh, extension built by 2030, and then we would think this would be kind of 2040, 2045 before that would be all completed. A bit too far-fetched for some, highlighting the rigorous approval process getting funding from the provincial and federal governments, working with other municipalities and public consultation. It can also kind of create a situation where, hey, they're talking about us without us and have this kind of, uh, kind of back potential backlash. Other mayoral candidates aren't buying it either. You have to go through a consultation process and it takes a lot of work. And to announce this a couple of weeks before an election uh, with nothing behind it, it's kind of ridiculous. Sparkle ponies and pixie dust. No, it's not realistic. While other candidates have argued the money would be better spent on affordable housing, comparing this idea 
to a runaway train. Kamal Karamali, Global News. Mayor Kennedy Stewart is apologizing for his late acknowledgement of a day to honor fallen law enforcement officers. Stewart retweeted a City of Vancouver post today saying, let's continue to honor those who have been hurt or killed in the line of duty. Problem is, the city sent the tweet on Sunday, which has police and peace officers, or which was police and peace officers, National Memorial Day, with a ceremony held in Victoria, among other cities. Stewart today blames a glitch for the late statement. Uh, I was at the Queen's Memorial Service speaking there yesterday, and we had the tweet all written, but we just uh, it just didn't go out. So really apologies to all the families affected, and, um, and again, we won't have it happen again. Well, it's been five years since the province banned corporate and union donations to politicians, but some candidates for the coming municipal election say that doesn't go far enough. They say developers can still throw big bucks at local elections and help sway policies their way. Imanagahi reports. It's oftentimes a heated topic of conversation in the weeks leading up to municipal elections in B.C., and this year is no different. This has been an industry that has dominated the municipal political scene for decades. Um, we've got to get it under control. The industry in question is land development. Joined by a handful of other candidates from across the lower mainland, Hunter Madsen is calling for changes in the role he believes real estate development companies are playing in municipal politics. Are you or are you not taking money from developers in this election? And if you are, do you plan to recuse yourself from decisions that involve projects from these developers? In 2017, NDP government legislation claimed it would end the era of big money in politics, and those rules still stand today. If there are loopholes that allow money to buy influence, we're going to try and shut that down. Prohibiting any type of organization from making campaign contributions in local elections, including corporations and unions, and that only eligible individuals can make campaign contributions. But an accidentally leaked document, alleged to be that of Kennedy Stewart's forward Vancouver party, is now under Elections BC investigation after complaints about a chart showing the names of influential developers next to large potential donation figures. The fact that the developers are so keen to give so much money to city council shows that it's effective for them and that should concern every voter. I think there's this, always been this perception that uh, where, depending on where you get your money, that, that money will therefore influence the politician. I never had that uh, when I was in office. Nobody ever asked me or told me how to vote. Madsen and his loose coalition of candidates are now encouraging others to refuse developer-linked individual donations as well. And amongst other measures advocating governments to explore increased public financing of municipal elections. Imadagahi, Global News. Up next, the study of superstorms. Certainly a bit of early warning doesn't hurt. What a BC company and its floating technology is learning from giant waves that could save us from the next one. And later, YVR signs a deal to elevate an airline like no other. What makes Esquayo Air so unique? 
Traffic is steady in both directions over here tonight at the Portman Bridge with just some leftover volume eastbound through the Burnaby Lake stretch and into Coquitlam on the approach. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside the Real Canadian Superstores and Walmarts throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com, open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Portman Bridge. A Victoria-based coastal intelligence company is once again in the spotlight, helping storm watchers on the East Coast make sense of Hurricane Fiona. As Kylie Stanton reports, their real-time wave data means coastal communities have time to brace themselves when the big storms hit. Winds strong enough to topple trees, waves so powerful they took houses out to sea. All I've seen is destruction, homes, you know, pulverized. But before Hurricane Fiona ever made landfall, data was being recorded showing exactly what was coming. We saw the steady rise of winds and waves as it came over and then sort of the eye of the storm moving um, through as well. On a buoy in the Halifax area, Marine Labs measured a maximum wind of 73 knots, which is about 135 kilometers an hour and a maximum wave height of about 10 meters in the same area. So these are pretty extreme. On top of that green marker buoy there is one of our instruments. The company builds and operates technology now located on both coastlines of Canada and the U.S., where wind, wave and ocean weather data is collected and delivered to subscribers. Back in November of 2020, just off the coast of Euclid, it captured the most extreme rogue wave ever on record at 17.6 meters. All of a sudden, it just kind of goes into a huge trough and then onto a peak and then down into an even bigger trough. And it's uh, basically really unique because it's so big relative to the waves that were happening in, in behind it. While that wave never did make landfall, Hurricane Fiona did. And this real-time data has the potential to help ports and coastal communities better prepare. Certainly a bit of early warning doesn't hurt. And then, of course, after the fact, all the data is there. Anybody that uh, subscribes to it can analyze post-event and, and then use it for planning for better coastal resilience in the future. This was the harshest conditions the instruments have faced and they performed even better than expected. The hope is to continue to expand the network. The more buoys out there, the richer the data becomes. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Work has finally begun on new homes for seniors in downtown Princeton, nearly a year after a massive flood tore through the community. The new development is in an industrial area and will be temporary. It will provide 20 one-bedroom units, each with a kitchen, private bathroom and balcony. The seniors were forced out of their homes last November after their apartment building was submerged by floodwaters. Where Silvercrest was was you know, one of the worst hit areas of the community. Um, it was a low point in the community, so that's right beside our, our um, sewer lift station. So uh, it's kind of right at the bottom of everything. As frustrating as it has been to, to move as, I guess, slow as it is, I mean, it's moving as fast as we can possibly make it. So this is exciting. The mayor admits the location of the new housing is not ideal. Construction is expected to be, uh, to be complete next year. Just ahead, a major culture shift. How the death of Masa Amini is a turning point in Iranian politics.
And the new partnership helping a First Nation airline soar. From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Traffic is steady over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge after recently clearing a crash southbound at the north end. At BCAA, we are over 1 million members strong and moving you forward through the power of membership. Join the movement today at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. A 30-year-old man is being charged in connection with an incident at a homeless encampment along Kelowna's rail trail. We could hear the vehicle revving its engine up, like it was really loud, like vroom, vroom. All of a sudden it comes just right, it came right by. Just after midnight Saturday, RCMP say the man drove through a fence at the camp running over a tent. Tire marks along the trail show the tent was dragged approximately 100 feet while under the truck. Police say one man was in the tent at the time and is now in hospital with serious injuries. Tyler Manchur has been charged with one count of impaired driving causing bodily harm and one count of driving while prohibited. His next court appearance is scheduled for October 13th. Two people are recovering in hospital after a house fire in Surrey. It was just before noon when firefighters were called to the two-story home in the 6700 block of 147A Street. Flames were coming from the back of the home. Two people found inside were taken to hospital for treatment of smoke inhalation. The fire might have started in the basement, although investigators are working still to determine a cause. Well, the protests that continue to rage across Iran following the death of a 22-year-old woman while in the custody of the country's morality police are remarkable enough in a nation where dissent is forbidden. But as Negar Mojtahedi reports, experts say the fact that women are at the forefront of this protest is taking it to an unheard-of level. And a warning now, some of the video in this story might be disturbing. A woman in Iran with no hijab chopping her hair to a cheering crowd of thousands. An act of defiance that only until recently you couldn't imagine. The death of Masa Amini galvanizing a movement. It seems like these, women burning their mandatory headscarves that are dominating the uprisings in cities across Iran. Women leading the charge. Human rights lawyer Gisunia, who is of Iranian origin, says she can't overstate the magnitude of what Iranian women are doing. But they're doing this at much peril to themselves and much risk to themselves, and they're incredibly brave. In Iran, showing your hair is illegal. Singing in public and dancing in public is also illegal. Human rights advocates say that the entire system in Iran is based on gender discrimination, with the mandatory hijab law and dress code being the most visible sign of it. But there's more to it. Some folks may not be aware of is back in 2014, 2015, there were sort of rogue elements of the that were being encouraged by the morality police to actually throw acid in women's faces who were not complying with the mandatory hijab rules. <laughs> to underscore the scope of brutality of the morality police, 
Videos that demonstrate what women go through just seeking their basic freedom. A movement that began as a protest against a woman's death and the morality police now has Iranians turning their attention to the regime itself and demanding change. Nagar Moshehedi, Global News. And today, the Canadian government announced new sanctions against dozens of individuals and Iranian entities, including Iran's so-called morality police. We've seen Iran disregarding human rights time and time again. And now we see it with the death of Masa Amini and the crackdown on protests. To the women in Iran who are protesting and to those who are supporting you, we stand with you. We join our voices, the voices of all Canadians, to the millions of people around the world demanding that the Iranian government listen to their people, end their repression of freedoms and rights, and let women and all Iranians live their lives and express themselves peacefully. The communities of Kelowna and West Kelowna are still reeling from a deadly weekend in B.C.'s toxic drug crisis. Police in the central Okanagan issued a warning about dangerous drugs after no fewer than five people died of overdoses in a span of just nine hours. And we're learning a little bit more about them. All of the victims were about 30 years old. All of them were found inside homes. One of them died alone. The others were found in pairs, and most troubling, all of them were recreational drug users and did not have known substance use disorders. The current toxic drug supply is particularly risky or dangerous for individuals who, are, who don't have tolerance to substances, who are trying for the first time or who are, have relapsed. Interior Health can help. We have a machine that can uh, help people understand what it is in their substance before they use it. And also when they uh, are using, it's important that they are with somebody, not use alone and have naloxone. Interior Health says the people who died on Saturday might have used inhalation as a method of consumption. And they're reminding drug users that inhalation is not safer than injecting. Still ahead, love is like a hurricane. We're getting our hair done and we're gonna try and make the best of it. When Fiona blew in, how they went all out to get their wedding celebration in. And coming up in sports, big changes in the BC Hockey League. Why some say it needs a major overhaul. consumers having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies. Help is here. Andrewa investigates consumer matters on Global News. Vancouver International Airport has signed a milestone agreement with the first 100% Indigenous female-owned airline in Canada. YVR says the Memorandum of Understanding is a move toward Indigenous reconciliation, with the airport located on the traditional and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. They add the agreement represents the next step forward in supporting Indigenous business initiatives. 
I'm so excited about the um, innovations that we wish to step into together. Sustainability and equity are so very important and together, together we will reimagine, rematriate and rebuild an air transportation system to ensure that our Indigenous tourism sector grows, but also that we're facilitating the much-needed connection via air to our rural and Indigenous communities. So we're delighted to be doing this here today. YVR says it will share marketing information with the airline to help its growth. Escuelo Air operates about 15 scheduled flights per week, along with charter service around the province. Off into the wild blue yonder on a day like today, but it's not going to last forever. Yvonne is in for Christy tonight with the latest. Yeah, we do have a blip in the forecast, uh, but through the day today, it was more summer-like. We had some record-breaking heat. It was similar yesterday. We had some temperature records fall, and this is just a sample of a few, and these are unofficial ones, but we can see at Port Alberni, Pitt Meadows, Squamish getting up to 29 degrees. Squamish, that old record of 24.6 was set back in 1985. Kamloops getting up to 26.7. Even West Van with a record high closer to 25.3. A few other spots across the province was still another warm day on tap for tomorrow with Lytton even soaring potentially warmer so we could see some record-breaking heat once again and then yes the change is on the way it's gorgeous out there a current shot from our tower cam we're seeing temperatures sitting at 21 we do have a northwesterly wind at four kilometers per hour and then overnight tonight we do have some fog patches in the mix and we'll dip down to 12 degrees we do need to come back in the control room to me we're seeing temperatures through the afternoon up to 21 and a heads up we'll have favorable conditions where stargazers will have the opportunity to view jupiter tonight it'll make its closest approach to earth in 59 years. If you want to see it, the best way to view it, Jupiter, is to be to find form, to find a spot, high elevation where it's dry and dark. You're recommended to have a good set of binoculars. Those wanting to see the red dot, however, will need to set up a telescope. So there is the opportunity favorable out there. We've got perfect conditions to view Jupiter tonight. We do see a bit of instability in the mix. That'll be along the north coast. And that's where we're tracking the wet weather that is going to move in across the region. We've got this ridge of high pressure that is building. The blip in the forecast will be Wednesday. And that's we'll see the change on the way with the chance of showers, cooler temperatures, and then it rebounds quite quickly as we get in towards the southern interior as well. Now there's the temperature trend. We can see the peak of the heat or one of the hottest days still leading in towards tomorrow. Areas near Lytton will be pushing closer to 30 degrees and then that change on Wednesday. Rainfall and heavy at times, that'll be along the north coast, 15 degrees, much of the central and southern half of the province with plenty of sunshine in the mix. And then as we look ahead towards the south coast, we may have some fog patches for the morning hours, a heads up. It warms up as we get in towards the afternoon. Humidex tomorrow, 28. Lip in the forecast, cooler on Wednesday, and plenty of sunshine for a Thursday, Friday. All right, a great shot. Tonight's weather window. This one was uh, captured in Vanderhoof, taken by Georgia. Guys? Harvest time. All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. I feel like Yvonne has the same kind of lung capacity as Squire Barnes. I had a cardio <laughs> minute tonight. I ran good. and ran and ran. Oh, you too, eh? Squire, Squire Barnes sprint to the studio. Yes. Well, her office isn't far from mine. We have, a, we have a commute, a little bit of a commute. So you guys have like about 10 steps. So Ours it's not is a, different floors. We have to go upstairs, wow. downstairs. We don't have to deep feel, things out. Don't you feel... I hope management is listening to this. <laughs> we are shuffling things around in the building right now. Maybe it's time. Plus, Chris has much longer legs. Than that's, yeah, true. That's, that's, I get, that's true. That's I get also, more steps. We get more steps, Squire <laughs> exactly. and I. I cover a yeah, lot more ground. Yeah. Um... Setback to start things off. Well, yes. Um, the Canucks have lost Brock Besser. Three to four weeks is what they're saying because of a hand injury. 
That means he will miss the start of the regular season. The injury required surgery. The Canucks are not saying specifically what it was, but he did injure it at training camp. All right, more on that coming up. Also tonight, not even Fiona could spoil their party. The commitment that could not be denied for this Cape Breton couple coming up. Squires back with sports right out of the gate. The Canucks lose a goal scorer. Not great news, and Squires got the latest. Well, he seems to be a little bit unlucky when it comes to injuries. Brock Besser will likely miss the first two weeks of the Canucks regular season. He underwent hand surgery after he suffered an injury during training camp over the weekend. The Canucks will not exactly say what is wrong with the hand, but they feel it'll be three to four weeks before he'll return. He's starting a new three-year contract with Vancouver. He signed that on Canada Day. One thing about him, he rarely goes through a season without getting hurt. Only the pandemic-shortened 2020-2021 season did he go through unscathed. In 71 games last season, Besser had 23 goals, fourth most on the team behind Pedersen, Miller, and Horvath. Now, this happened last night to Ilya Mikheyev, the Canucks' biggest off-season signing. Second period against Calgary, falls awkwardly while being checked into the boards. He never played after this happened. The Canucks got him checked out today. We should know his status when they have uh, practice tomorrow. So the BC Hockey League is going public over its feeling that Hockey Canada's development model doesn't respect or help Junior A clubs and players who choose that route over playing major junior hockey, which is the WHL, the OHL, or the Quebec League. Here comes Salmon Arm, Foley with Farconi, Foley shot and he scores! The BC Hockey League is the premier junior A circuit in all of Canada. Year in and year out, no league has more players earn NCAA scholarships than the BCHL. This despite a framework labeled the Canadian Development Model, created and administered by Hockey Canada in 2006, which views junior A franchises and its leagues as a feeder system to the Canadian Hockey League's major junior franchises. Except the BC Hockey League argues that's no longer the case and things need to change. Well, really what we want is for Hockey Canada to recognize that there's two paths to development in our country. And one path is major junior, which is a terrific path. But we also think that there is a college tracking path that really hasn't got the support that it needs in order for kids to make a good decision at a very young age whether they're going to go play major junior or whether they're going to go play college in the States. They swatted the puck, it bounces into the Vancouver end. Here's Dumi with a rich shot, score! Under the current system, major junior teams can build their roster with players from across the country. Hockey Canada doesn't allow the same for junior A teams. It's why the BC Hockey League created and tabled their own report called Modernizing Junior Hockey in Canada. The 35-page document sent to Hockey Canada details the discrepancies and inequalities that Junior A franchises currently operate under. We just don't understand why there's a different set of regulations for our 16 to 20-year-olds than there is for their 16 to 20-year-olds. And, and the fact is, even at the prep level, at the academy level, there's 14 and 15-year-olds moving across the country all the time. So the regulations are set up really to uh, affect only Junior A. And we don't think that's right. We're not a feeder system. We're an alternative. And that's a, an alternative that gets kids to college. And we think that's a valuable thing for Hockey Canada to support. Arguably the best player on the planet right now is Kale McCarr. And he did exactly the same thing going through the AJHL. He didn't go where he was drafted. He went, I am going to play two years in Brooks, Alberta, and then I'm going to college. 
And nobody's going to argue that the guy who was the Stanley Cup MVP took the wrong path. Why is it injuries in the BC Lions this year hit all the key guys? Brian Burnham is now down with a broken wrist suffered right there on that play against Calgary on Saturday. Spectacular catch, but a bad fall when he put his hand out. He's on the six-game injury list. There is hope he might be able to get back to the Lions late in the year or maybe the playoffs. Canada's men's soccer team will play Uruguay tomorrow morning in Slovakia. It should be one of the toughest games this group of Canadian players has ever played so far. Uruguay is ranked 13th in the world. They have a handful of well-known world-class players and a rich history at the international level. However, it should be pointed out, can hey, it's Alfonso Davies. Canada did not lose to Mexico in World Cup qualifying, and Mexico was actually ranked higher than Uruguay at 12th, but Uruguay did beat Mexico 3-0 in a friendly earlier in the summer. Canada is coming off a 2-0 win over Qatar last week. This will be the penultimate World Cup warm-up game. Canada plays Japan just before the World Cup begins in November. Speaking of Canada, Canada's women's basketball team at the World Cup against Australia today. Kia Nurse who was out 11 months after a serious knee injury, came back for this tournament. This three-pointer put Canada up by three, 63-60. That's the last lead Canada would have because the Aussies outscored Canada 15-9 to finish the game. Canada will play Mali tomorrow. There you go. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. Well, after years of COVID delay, a determined couple wasn't going to let Fiona get in the way of their wedding. That's next. The other woman. All right, Andrew is standing by with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. And Thanks, Chris. The Downtown Surrey Business Improvement Association is hosting a meeting of mayoralty candidates this evening. Candidates will be questioned on everything from public safety to transit and transportation. We will have the very latest. And it's a senseless scam that continues to target seniors. Vancouver Police renewing warnings tonight about the bail scam where victims have lost tens of thousands of dollars in recent weeks. Police say fraudsters are using high-pressure tactics to convince victims their loved ones have been arrested and need bail money to get out of jail. Victims are then coached by fraudsters to retrieve large sums of money from their bank accounts. We'll have more on this story when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris, Sophie. All right, and thank you. Well, not even Fiona could stop a Cape Breton couple from saying I do. After delaying their wedding a full year because of COVID, the storm wreaked havoc once again, forcing them to modify the ceremony. And Global's Anthony Farnell has more on how they finally pulled it off. Fiona swept through Cape Breton this weekend, leaving a path of destruction and most of the island without power. But that didn't stop this couple from tying the knot. Uh, Samantha, I came down here looking to charge my phone, and I see that you're using uh, both the plugs. You got your, your bridesmaids here. Tell me a little bit about, about your, your wedding story so far. Um, so we were supposed to get married yesterday. We've been planning for basically three years. Um, we pushed it back due to COVID last year. Um, and then we had a hurricane for our wedding weekend. It was supposed to be yesterday. Tell me a little bit about, about what's happening and it's still going on, right? Uh, so there's no power. So that's why we're down in the lobby of the hotel. There's the one plug. And <laughs> we're getting our hair done and we're going to try and make the best of it. We're going to have a candlelight ceremony and supper. There's no power anywhere really right now, but, you know, it's, it's going to be great. I'm excited. Everybody that I want is going to be here. My family's here and... All my friends, so we're gonna do what we can. We love you. <laughs> I want everybody to enjoy it, and we're gonna make the best of it. 
little dark in there. How did you figure out how you can still use this venue? My nephew, who was a chef, and he got access to a place that had um, a generator. So he cooked it there and brought it back here. We ate where the food was really good, but we couldn't see it. <laughs> but a few made it, and you know, it, it turned out great. Small, but it, it turned out really good. No one will ever forget their anniversary, and it's like, uh, when did we have Hurricane Fiona? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's their anniversary. <laughs> Anthony Farnell, Global News. Something you'll never forget, that's for sure. Mood lighting. With yeah, them. right? <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Congratulations to them. All right, Yvonne, uh, you just had a leisurely stroll down here. Yes, no cardio minute this time. No. <laughs> Very pleasant. Uh, we're seeing one more warm day tomorrow, summer-like conditions once again. We'll see uh, temperatures up to 25, humidex feeling closer to 28 degrees. We've got that change blip in the forecast will be for Wednesday. Cloud cover showers, a cooler one, but then it looks to rebound. It'll be quite pleasant Thursday onwards, potentially leading in towards next weekend so far. But another hot one, so be prepared. We could see some record-breaking heat once again. Beautiful. All right, thanks very much. Very special happy birthday wish to the love of my life, oh. Jane Kerrigan Galas. I've heard uh, of her. She's pretty special. She used to work here. Pretty special. She, made, she, used to she work was here. nice. We like her. It's she her puts birthday. up with me, so she's a saint. It's her happy birthday. birthday. She, happy birthday. She sent banana bread in. Yeah, great for all of us. That I shared, I'll add. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a good night. Happy birthday.